Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode ninety nine. Got a special guest tonight to help recap the MLB draft, give a little fantasy twist for everybody out there in their dynasty drafts and whatnot. And in order to do so, I have another friend of ours from Friends with Fantasy Benefits. You can find him on Twitter at mdtompfwfb. Matt Thompson, how we doing, man? I'm good. I wish my baseball team was playing a little bit better, but uh, that's a different story. Draft season is over. That's like Christmas Day for prospect nerds like me. So that's exciting. And hopefully we can help fill in some of the gaps on uh, some of this information about some of these players you might not know too much about. Yeah, no, that's kind of the goal is, you know, we can all watch you know MLB Network when they do the draft coverage. And there's a, there's a bunch of different resources people can look at. But for most people, it's kind of like, oh, here's a flashy new toy. Now let's start. Let's start digging in a little bit as uh, you might be able to use some of these soon because one thing you did mention before we started recording, there are a lot of college talent that got taken early, so we might see it maybe a little sooner than we we used to seeing some of these guys. Um, one thing I wanted to mention real quick, I wanted to give you a shout-out, you and uh, Mason. I talked to Mason a few times. Uh, what you guys do in the preseason, I've never said this to you before, <laughs> the, 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 the team-by-team breakdown is impressive in itself. Then you guys decide to do a prospect-only team-by-team breakdown. And, you know, prospect guys like yourself, you obviously know so much more than the common person. Like, I love prospects, but I'm still, like, surface-level stuff. You guys go so deep, and the fact you can do a podcast on each individual system is massively impressive to me. So kudos <laughs> to you, and I want to give a shout-out to that because that is, no that is awesome. A lot, of that, a lot of that sometimes just seems like me talking more than anything. I catch myself just rambling, but. That's actually the best preseason prep I can do because I have to, you know, you have to look up some information. A lot of it, most of it's off the top of my head, which is sad. But uh, a lot of it is, you know, it's just a good refresher on where guys are, you know. Because prospect rankings, people, I could I could hate one player and then six months from now I could be like, eh, okay, well, maybe, you know, it, stuff changes. So you, you have to be up to date with prospects. You can't just be form an opinion and then that's it. They're always evolving. Oh, and that's a great point because, you know, that's why, well, common sense part of it is they go through all the systems step by step. And it's because as they improve, things change. And a lot of these guys come out of high school or college and they're still maturing in their stature and growth and everything. So a lot a lot of guys we thought might have been good just kind of, you know, phase out. And some other guys really find their strides. You never really know. But uh, let's talk about the draft. And I'm not going to go straight in draft order, not initially at least. I have to ask the question because – 
I was shocked when this happened. I'm sitting, I think I might have been recording another podcast, and Kyler Murray goes to the Oakland A's, and for some reason, if people are listening to this and still don't know who Kyler Murray is, he is going to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma this year. And the part that kills me is the A's are okay with this. They're going to pay him, and they're okay with him playing and then coming to baseball. I'm not an A's fan, but I have A's fans that are friends that are A's fans, and they're furious about this right now. Um, first off, before just you know what talent level he's at, where do you, what are your thoughts on this whole idea of letting a kid go play football now? Uh, I wouldn't personally do it. Obviously, it's been done before. Uh, Bo Jackson's the most famous, you know, person of this ilk. But recently, in the last couple of years, this is notably they're all before this new CBA, so it's a little bit different. But we've seen guys like Anthony Alford of the Blue Jays. He was a defensive back in college. Kyle Parker, uh, the Rockies took him in the first round, I believe, and he was a quarterback at Clemson. And then even famously, uh, Russ Wilson was drafted in both, and they allowed him to, you know, but they allowed him to play football, and you saw what happened to that. He never came back to baseball. And who's to say, I mean, Kyler Murray, who's to say he doesn't win the Heisman Trophy this year, which could happen, right? I mean, at Oklahoma. I mean, he's – who's to say he doesn't, you know, win the Heisman and fall, you know, and and end up being a top pick in the NFL draft? What do you do? Do you take the guaranteed money? But but if he's an athlete like that, so he's going to bet on himself – just because, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, it's not, if it's not a serious thing he's going to pursue, why is he still playing? I guess I'll answer that. I'll, have, I'll leave it like that. That's my biggest question. It's like, okay, we all have passion projects, but we yeah. don't, you know, we still have to go to work in the morning, and that mm-hmm. has to come before the passion project. Like, that's just, that's just how it works. Um, I'm shocked by it, and the fact that, you know, given the Big 12, he can make fun of it, doesn't play defense and everything. He's a scrambling quarterback. He's going right. to get hit. Huge injury. Uh, it just seems crazy, and the part that it's not like the A's can be okay. We're going to pay you after the season, but they got to sign this guy by like the first week in July. So this is going to be a done deal. And I don't know. It seems I, I was shocked. I think there's a lot that goes into it. I think part of him being able to play football is I think it's going to drive the bonus down for the A's. Probably make them a little cheaper as part of the deal. Right, you want to play football, then we're cutting half your. You know what I mean, or whatever. We're we're going to make it worth our while monetary monetarily. But I also am confused with this whole thing of, like you touched on the injury risk. His game is built on athleticism for Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray, out of the top, you know, out, 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 definitely out of all the college bats in the first round or so, he's the farthest away now from what he's going to be in the future if everything breaks right. There's so much – his game is so raw that – He's good. He's you don't. His game is built on all athleticism, uh, all the quick twitch muscles. Such a risk playing football. I don't really understand it. Um, I mean, he, you saw last season at Oklahoma, he wasn't really a draft prospect. Mm-hmm. He had one twenty-two, no extra base hits in college. Couldn't even play left field. Was, was running bad routes. They moved him to center field this year, and he essentially took off. And he, the numbers he put up were worthy of the of the. Uh, Ninth overall pick, in my opinion, 296, 398, 556 slugging percentage. Uh, one thing, he's obviously got stolen base potential with his athleticism, but the one thing I do not like is, and this is an outlier amongst all these other college hitters we're going to talk about, he struck out twice as more as he walked. Hmm. And that's in the Big 12, not in the minor leagues and professional baseball. Everyone else we're going to talk about as plus approaches at the plate, and his is not there. Like I said, it touches to how raw he is. So from a fantasy perspective, I'm not touching him at all because, number one, the football thing. Number two, that causes him a number of injury risk. Number three, he's going to lose a whole year of development and then go play football, and it's going to take him a while anyways because he's so raw. So I'm out on this because it'll be five years or so. Yeah, that, that, that's what I understand. He should be going to play rookie ball in Arizona this year, and that's not going to happen. Yep. Nope. Uh, there's just like so much development, like you said. By the time football season's over, Oklahoma usually goes to a big bowl game. We're talking January before he's there. Who knows how banged up he's going to be? It's just it's crazy to me. And then I started looking into it more, and you just hit on it. He's so raw. He's had before this year. He's kind of just like a middling prospect. Didn't he give up playing for a couple of years? Even he did yeah. That's why last year was so bad because he jumped yeah. back into it and played at the it's Cape Cod League, Cape Cod League, and looked like he didn't even belong. Uh, yeah. And he has everything you want from an athleticism standpoint. I mean, he's got a pedigree. His 
I want to say his uncle or his dad. His uncle was a, a major league baseball player, and his dad was a star quarterback in college at, at Texas A&M, which where he originally was, and he transferred to OU. It's an interesting story, but not one I would draft in the first round. If if, I, if this was like a second or third round pick, I'm all for it. Yes, all for it. Give him the money. It's not as big of a risk, but man, I, I don't know if this is another case of Billy's Billy Bean zigging when everyone else is zagging. I guess staying away from Kyler Murray. I don't know if you watched the draft coverage or not. Everyone was kind of ripping Harold Reynolds on Twitter because everyone asked who they went around a round table. And Harold Reynolds shouldn't be covering the draft. No offense to Harold Reynolds. He doesn't watch these guys. He doesn't watch these guys. He, he's okay to what he does, whatever, but he doesn't watch these college kids. They asked everybody what the number one pick should be. Everyone was Casey Mize, Casey Mize. Harold Reynolds says Kyler Murray. What? But then again, yeah. you know, and you look at all the mock drafts and stuff, Baseball America, fan graphs. Any other resource you respect, 2080, uh, perfect game. None, none of them had Kyler Murray in the first round. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. surprised to see it. Yeah, no, I have the MLB draft recap page up, and he was ranked 36th in their in their draft. So it just kind of goes to show you what happened. And I get a good point with Billy Bean. He is the king of the zig and the zag. It's just what he does. This might be putting it to a whole other stream. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll see how it works. It just seems odd because, well, for so many reasons, and I guess we don't have to keep beating a dead horse there. Hopefully he turns out great. Hopefully Billy Bean looks awesome in doing so. And I think the biggest point, and you said it right out the gate, one thing where this could be is, is it's a gamble, of course, but most of these draft picks are. And sure. they get to save that money and they could spend it elsewhere. Like I was hearing somewhere, you know, the Astros, the year they drafted Carlos Correa, they got to spend less on him, and they got to use that extra bonus money to get Lance McCullers. There could be something else that kind of makes it all work. Yeah, they picked so. up Jamison Hanna and, and Jeremy Ehrman on the first day with him. I, I, I like Hanna. He's an athlete. So maybe that's where the money's going. Um, yeah, that makes see. sense. We'll see. But, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll keep, this will be monitored very very closely, I have a feeling, all fall uh, in Oklahoma and Oakland. But uh, back, let's back talk. About 18 months. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Let's talk uh, the number one overall pick, Casey Mize, very solid-looking uh, pitcher out of Auburn. Uh, what, are you, what are you seeing when you look at a guy like Casey Mize? Casey Mize, for me, is he's an interesting – he's a pitcher that's very unique, and I say this in a nice way because you don't see many domestic pitchers with the splitter as good as he has, especially this young. Uh, I, I would put the splitter as – I'm sure you heard Heard it by now from every other source, and I agree with it. It's the best off-speed pitch in the draft. And it's a 70-grade splitter, I, I think. Uh, he sits with a fastball that sits about 93, 95, can bump it up to about 97 if he needs to. And the thing with the splitter that I want I keep circling back to is it, that's a hard pitch to command, and a lot of people, you know, you don't really throw it for a strike. It looks like a fastball and, and dives out of the zone and gets people to chase. He can actually throw it for a strike. Um I was a little bit worried about Mize when I watched one of his starts in the SEC. I forget who it was against. It wasn't Vanderbilt. It might have been LSU. I might be wrong. He didn't get a lot of swing and miss on the fastball, so I was a little bit concerned. Uh, that turned out to be a one kind of start fluke thing. As he, then he, The next outing he pitched against Vanderbilt and struck out like 14 guys in seven innings or something crazy like that. So I'm not concerned about it. Uh, you, the comps I've seen – for uh, Casey Mize, are very encouraging. I've seen Justin Verlander. I've seen a Max Scherzer body comp I've heard put on him. Uh, and I've seen Aaron Nola comp. Uh, I like a lot. Of another comp I saw, too, was a Masahiro Tanaka comp because of the splitter. And I, I agree with that. I like it. Um, it's, it's, he's, very, he's a unique beast. And I, I think... I've seen a Shohei Otani comp, a Kevin Gausman, which I don't like that. Uh, Garrett Cole... <laughs> Um, gets everything he wants. He has twelve over twelve and a half, about twelve and a half strikeouts per nine, less than a walk per nine. Through over one hundred and you know fifteen innings or so, the season's still going on. Obviously, it's uh he should move fairly quickly. Uh, Three sixty grade pitches with his uh, slider and his and his splitter and the fastball. Seventy seventy on the splitter and two sixties. It should be a nice package. Six three two twenty. He's uh, ready to go. Uh, shouldn't be too long for Mize. I won't pick him number one in my fantasy drafts because my fantasy or dynasty drafts, supplemental drafts, whatever you want to call it for these rookies. I won't take him number one just because he's a pitcher. He's had forearm injury uh, that kind of shelved him for a little bit of 2017 season. He missed some time. Uh, but other than that, he's a pitcher, so you know the risk. Um, my favorite team is the Cardinals, if you don't know, and obviously the Alex Reyes thing. 
can't plan on pitchers. They're nice to have, but you can't bank, you can't bet anything on them. Um, and Mize is in that boat because he's a pitcher. No, no other, no reason in his mechanics. I think it should be worse than they are. I think they're, I think it's fine. He's not prone to injury. He just, that's what he does. But he's a top five guy in this class for me, but not number one overall in dynasty. For for the Tigers, it makes complete sense for them to be taking him when, when they did. Yeah, no, that's a great pick for them. It goes with uh, Fetty, who they grabbed last year, and some other nice pieces they're putting together in that system. And so those Fredo. are, yeah. Out, outside of uh, the Gaussman comp, like you said, all those are pretty darn good ones to be associated with. So it'll be really interesting to see how he uh, comes together. And pitching in the SEC is no joke. Uh, they seem to be good in every sport, right. it seems like. But uh, that was just great, great competition he faced down there. So. Yeah, uh, and, and you said he, he should be up quicker than most. As you, you know, I'll ask you this one. I that thought goes my- oh, sorry about that. Real quick on that. Yeah, it depends on Detroit. True, because they're in no hurry. Right. If if they wanted to all of a sudden go out and sign Machado and Harper and become contenders, Mize could be up end of next year. Okay. But there's no reason for them to do that with where they're at right now. Sorry. It- no, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, if, if you had to kind of compare, because la- at a last year's draft, uh, Kyle Wright out of Vanderbilt, I thought he was pretty close to big league ready, it seemed like, and he's still in AAA. Uh, if you had to kind of compare when they left the draft, is Casey Mize already that much more ahead of Kyle Wright, or is this kind of – it breaks my a system thing also? I, I think it's, it's close, uh, but I would – take Mize because of two reasons. I think the control is better and he's got that out pitch that Kyle Wright doesn't really have. Kyle Wright has solid all across the board in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a 70 grade pitch like uh, Mize does. Okay. And Wright is in double A with the Braves right now. Uh, he probably could be triple A by the end of the season if they are still in contention at the end of the year which I don't know if anyone believes they will be. He could maybe come up in September if the injuries hit that hit that staff, but I don't see it. I think he's going to make an impact next year, and Mice could too. Uh, but again, we said you know it doesn't fit with Detroit's developmental curve. So, okay, let's talk about the number two pick in the draft, uh, catcher out of Georgia Tech, Joey Bart, goes to the Giants. Seems like he's a good, good plus bat with a good defense behind the plate and a good arm. From what I was noticing, uh, looks like the future Buster Posey replacement project. What do you got on Joey Bart? Um, from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not too enthused by him because, number one, it's a personal preference of mine. I, I don't really love catchers, um, they are especially boring. ones especially ones that I think are only going to hit 240, 250, um, like, like Bart. I think it's kind of a lazy comp because he's an uh, – I know it's SEC and ACC, but they're the southeast. He's Mike Zanino 2.0. Uh, I think the defense is way ahead of the bat, which isn't a bad thing because the defense is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the college game. Coaches in college, 95% of the, I would say 99.5% of the managers in college call pitches because they are on the hot seat. They have to win games. I would say they have more pressure to win than a lot of some major league managers do depending on situations. Georgia Tech actually let Joey Bart call his own game when he was there, which is extremely rare in college. That doesn't happen. I also read something where I forget what team it was. Obviously, Bart played for Georgia Tech. Some other head coach on another team called Joey Bart to get the scouting report on a couple guys on the team, and they talked on the phone for hours. So stuff like that that you can't measure in the fantasy game it's good mm-hmm. for Bart. Uh, but the stuff you can measure in the fantasy game, I'm not too impressed with the hit tool. I think he can hit 20, 25 home runs. But here's the thing. He's advertised as a fast mover, and he's got these defensive intangibles as a catcher that you can't teach. I, you can't teach any of this stuff. And it's hard to quantify. You can see a catcher hitting the crap out of the ball, but you look, he can't handle the staff. The team's not going to call him up. Mm-hmm. Bart seems to have that kind of stuff. But what he doesn't have, in my opinion, is the hit tool. And also, so doesn't have a good enough bat that's going to play another position. Can't put him in the outfield because I don't think he can play the outfield. First base, Brandon Bell's having a breakout season right now. I understand he gets hurt, and Posey moves to first base also. But you're, I have a hard time with 
thinking that Bruce Bochy is going to push Buster Posey to first base when when Bart's ready. That's not going to happen. Um, it's a weird pick, not because you shouldn't take him because they have Posey, but Bart, if you're not going to take Bart to advance him up higher, you should have gone with somebody else more upside. A part of the appeal to Joey Bart is he's close to being big league ready, but when you have Buster Posey, I know you don't draft needs and all that stuff, but this situation doesn't really add up if that makes any sense. Um, no, it, it completely does. Uh, when I was looking into it, because as a Giants fan, oh, I, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in the. I'm about an hour away from Mason, so yeah, we. Okay. But, um, okay. I I like the idea of a, a future replacement for Posey because you know you look at a bunch of the advanced stats and he's been better when he's not behind the plate. The games he plays first base, his offensive numbers are better, which makes sense. Um, I've always said for years, or at least the last few years. The Giants have always had a hole at third base. Now, of course, they got Longo, but that's a whole other discussion for another day. Buster was a shortstop at college for a long time, and I figured he could probably play third base if you want to keep Belt at first. Belt's shown some chances to play the outfield, but that I'd rather have him at first. He's got such a gold glove there. There's no point in moving him. So it is interesting, and that's the part I agree with you is if there's no spot for Joey Bart right now, there's a couple guys we're going to talk about in a minute, like an Alec Baum or a Jonathan India, where the Giants have always had a weakness at third base. That seemed like more of a fit for me, but uh, we can talk about them when we get there. The fact you kind of seconded my thoughts is I don't hate the pick. Like you say, it makes sense and all that stuff. But if you're going to block him, what are you doing? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. It's a a good pick. He's a good player. I think he's going to be worthy of being a first-round pick. I just feel like for the Giants situation, trying to grasp, every hold on to that window as tight as they can. It doesn't really make sense unless you move one of them off. At, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, and then they also have, uh, we saw him in the Arizona Fall League last year, Ramos Garcia, who mm-hmm. I, saw in San Jose, I saw in San Jose last year. He's in double-A right now. He's kind of struggling in double-A uh, this season, but he's got a big-time bat. But his defense, I think, needs some work. Unlike Joey Bart, it's kind of a flip-flop. Uh, one last thing I want to ask on Joey Bard, this could just be completely lazy of me, but when I see all the videos on him when I was watching the draft coverage and Georgia Tech, big, Matt tall, lengthy guy. <laughs> yes, thank you. That was like, I'm like this is this is Matt Wieters to a T, isn't it? it pretty like, much. It looks just like Yeah, yeah Jason Veritek, another Georgia Tech catcher. Uh, yeah, that was the first thing that popped into my head. I was like, bingo, there yep. he is. But all right, let's move on to the third pick of the draft, Philadelphia Phillies, who have a just slew of infield talent, uh, but it's kind of rocky infield talent. They pick up Alec Baum uh, out of Wright State. This kid seems pretty interesting. I was actually reading he was in a double-A or triple-A home run derby a couple years ago. Um, What's your takes on Alec Baum? Uh, Baum, he's the guy I'm having the most conflicting opinions about. Um, I think it's, it's a very nice pick, obviously, Got a good hit tool. The plate discipline has really had an uptick this year. In 2017, he finished the season with 31 strikeouts and 29 walks. Uh, as of a couple of days ago, and obviously they've played games since then, 39 walks and 28 strikeouts for this season. So that's nice. Um, I've seen, fittingly, uh, uh, Reese Hoskins comps thrown on, on bomb. Uh, double plus power upside, very, very mature plate approach, uh, should, has the arm to stick at third. It might not have the hands. Uh, he might have to move to first base, which would be problematic because the bat needs to step up a little bit. And I think, but I think it can, uh, but it puts obviously more pressure on it. Uh, he strikes out, like I said, a little bit more than some of these other guys we're going to mention. And he has stepped up his plate approach, plate approach, plate skills. But I think a lot of that might come from playing at Wichita State, which is a good baseball school. But there's a, there's another guy that the Braves took uh, in the draft this year that was on this team. But other than that, they didn't really have – it's Grayson Janista out of Wichita State. was also He's a guy the Braves took. And those two were pretty much the, the offense for Wichita State. So I don't know if a lot of his uptick in his plate discipline is because of the lineup he was in. Maybe he's getting pitched around more than he ever has. Uh, but he's athletic enough. I think I think he could stick at third if you're not worried about winning gold gloves, uh, which nowadays I think it's easier to hide a guy in the infield because of all the shifting that's done. 
you're going to see a lot of guys that can probably stick a shortstop that wouldn't have played shortstop, you know, five, 10 years ago because of all these shifts. And you can kind of, you can hide somebody's lack of range because you can move guys around and put them in ideal spots. Uh, but bomb, I, I think he's a, you know, a 25, 30 home run bat. I just don't know what the average is. It could be 240. It could be 270. Um, that's something I'm struggling with. He is in the back half of my top five as far as the system for fantasy goes. That obviously can all change because these guys are real close, like we touched on before we started talking, but before we went on air anyways. Uh, I like the body, 6'5", 240. He's a big, strong kid. He uses his leverage to get the power. I, to sum it up real short, I don't know if the play discipline gains are for real. Okay. Uh, I'm going to jump to a different guy real quick. We'll come back to Madrigal in a second. But the fifth pick was Jonathan India, another third baseman out of Florida. We mentioned the SEC already once. Everything I'm reading about this kid is he is just – I don't know. It seems like everyone's higher on him than Alec Baum. Maybe Baum's just more raw and people want to take a challenge on that. Cincinnati kind of surprises me because, A, he's a great player, but they just, uh, they just extended Suarez. You have, um, you have Scooter Jeanette, who you're going to trade now. Uh, shortstop's locked up. So it's kind of an interesting situation with them because they have Sinzel. What's your take on India, and then how do you compare him to Alec Bond? Um, India is my favorite. He's probably my number one prospect in this draft. Uh, so he'd fans. be your first pick in a redraft, a dynasty redraft. Yes, as of right now. Um, okay. I know it's a lazy comp because he plays in the Cincinnati Reds system, but I think India is – and uh, until the guys in the SEC, I think he is, compares pretty favorably to a Nick Senzel or an Alex Bregman. Okay. Uh, I think the athleticism is off the charts. Nick Williams of the Reds, I think he's the GM or he might be the president now. I don't know. He has alluded to India being able to play shortstop, being able to play corner outfield, first base, third base, second base. They're not afraid to move him around the diamond, which is nice to hear because it gives them a lot of options. I think they're going to, from the impression I get from this, I think they're going to try India at shortstop. Nice. Um, like I said, with we touched on Bomb. Now, Bomb's not going to play shortstop, but I think you can hide somebody at short more than you could. Hide somebody at short, that sounds weird to even say, because obviously yeah. it's the most important, the infield position, but... It's the way the game's changed. <laughs> you can you can put somebody as short with all the shifting that you do now. I mean, you, you see Scott Kingery for the Phillies is playing shortstop. That's, now. What, I was gonna, that's what I was going to ask you because you basically said all the positions you can play. Well, that sounds like Scott Kingery right now. Right. And that's a decent enough comparison too. Um, but I like India. I mean, he's, he was drafted by the Brewers, I believe, in like the 26th round a couple years ago. And if it wasn't for his strong commitment to the University of Florida, everything I read indicates he would have been like a – like a second or third round pick, oh, wow. uh, but, he had, but he had such a strong commitment to the Gators. The teams knew it, but they still took a chance on him uh, to try to get him out of there. Uh, but you're looking at above average hit tool, uh, premium athleticism, uh, above average power, above average speed. I think he's a 60, 60, 50 guy, 60 hit, 60 power, 50 speed. Uh, for fantasy, that's all you could ask for right there. I mean, that's, that's everything in a nutshell. Stolen base percentages in college are pretty good. Uh, K to walk ratio is pretty good. And all he did in 2018, as of a couple of days ago, all he did was hit 362, 502, 723 in the SEC against the best pitching in the country. That's so uh, there's not a lot not to like here. Uh, again, I think Cincinnati is actually a good spot for him mm-hmm. uh, because the ballpark's nice, the righty, lefties, whatever. And like you touched on Eugenio Suarez, um, he signed a nice team friendly extension. If he's not the third baseman in a couple of years, he can get traded because that contract's nice. Teams like that. Um, Nick Senzel, Jonathan India, and Eugenio Suarez and Joey Votto is a pretty nice infield offensively. Outstanding. Uh, I, I think shortstop, I don't like Peraza there. I think Peraza's a utility guy. I think this fits a lot of needs. And, again, similar to what we said with Detroit, if Cincinnati all of a sudden, which I don't anticipate them doing that because they're in a really tough spot. I mean, the Cubs are outstanding in that division. The Brewers are really good, and they're on the up and up with the strike system. The Cardinals are good and aren't going anywhere with that minor league system. Pittsburgh's down, but they have a strong system. And then there's the Reds, who have a strong system, but a terrible major league team. It's going to be a really long, slow climb for the Reds to get up in that division just because his other teams are so good. And if they want to put up, push all the chips in and – 
and sign some free agents, which I don't expect them doing. Or if they wanted to, they could count on India kind of being like a Glaber Torres-esque cheap, cheap option. Because that's why everyone's talking about like this might be a little tangent here, but everyone's talking about the Yankees. Oh, they're not gonna they're not gonna sign Harper and Machado. Their payroll is gonna be crazy with Stanton. But let's think about their offensive players. They got really quick. Aaron Judge makes nothing from baseball concerns. He makes the league minimum. Torres makes nothing. There's two starters. Gary Sanchez is still locked in on his rookie arbitration deals. Miguel Andujar, that's four starters out of the half the team. They don't make anything. So you know, you put Harper, you put Judge, and you put uh, Stanton in the outfield. This is, it's a sixty million dollar outfield. How many other? Uh, some other teams have sixty million dollar outfields too. Yep. It's just so the payroll thing. Yeah, you, you might have to be might run into some problems paying people down the line, but you worry about that later. It's the Yankees. You don't care about that. But and that's what I don't understand with a lot of teams. You know, doing all that stuff. But I, I think. Back to the India thing, I think he's my number one player. I like to swing. 60, 60, 50 are my grades. And if I'm doing a dynasty redraft, for rookies, he's my number one pick right now. So you mentioned that they are maybe going to play him at short. Does that yes. mean we're going to see Sinzel at second? Is that what we're looking at then? If they don't trade Suarez, probably. Um, Suarez could also move to second. Suarez came up as a shortstop. True. He's played around the too. So they got options. True. Uh, it's a good problem to have. Like you said, that infield with Votto and the three of them, that's uh, pretty darn good. You got Shebler in the outfield. I don't know how much longer Duvall's there with Winker. Right. It's, it's an interesting young uh, team they're putting together that they could ever get some stable pitching. They might actually get somewhere. But uh, yeah. that's coming. Uh, if you had to pick between India and Senzel, which one would you pick? Uh, Senzel is closer to the majors. But I will say the concussions and the or excuse me the the vertigo scares the hell out of me because I don't know enough about it. From what I think I know about it, I think it's something that comes and goes, and I don't know how often it does that. Yeah, so. <clears throat> there's ways to treat it, but it's not foolproof. That's the problem, right? And it doesn't help that their Cincinnati Red Spring training is in Arizona in the elevation in the mountains, so that yeah. does not help. Nope. All right, let's go back to Nick Madrigal, the fourth uh, pick of the draft at Oregon State to the White Sox. This is a good pick, in my opinion, for a team that just keeps just adding talent among talent. Their offense is going to be scary, scary good here sooner than later. Plus, they got the pitching we all know about. Uh, this guy, when I was reading stuff even before the season, some thought he could be like the, ter- the top hitter out of the draft. He obviously had injuries during the season that kind of slowed him down. That's why I didn't get to see him when he came through the Bay Area once this year. But what's your take on Nick Madrigal? Because everyone wants to comp him to Altuve or Pedroia or something. But let's get the real take on what this kid can do. I, if you would have asked me, Mitch Salvao told this class, if you, if you would have asked me a day ago who my favorite player in this draft was for fantasy, I would have told you Madrigal. We have a FWFB staff chat, and we talk about the draft a little bit. A couple guys follow the draft a little bit. We were talking about the draft, and I, I thought Madrigal was a number one guy. I dug a little bit more into India, and I, I liked what I saw. So I would probably put Madrigal right up there with uh, Mize um, as my second, my second choice. And Madrigal is a 5'8", 165, so he gets right away knocked for the height. Um, some sites have him listed at 5'7", so either 5'7", or 5'8". Either way, you get the idea. Um, best pure hitter, double plus hit tool. And this is kind of crazy because Madrigal's a right-handed hitter, and this guy I'm going to compare him to is a left-handed hitter. I don't know if Madrigal has as much power as I think an Andrew Benintendi can, but I think the offensive numbers could be comparable because guys like Madrigal with the – elite bat-to-ball skills, and not only bat-to-ball, but barrel-to-ball skills, and gap-to-gap power, and plus-plus speed, those guys are tending to take off in this environment we have Major League Baseball right now with the baseball. Jose Ramirez, like this. Gap three years ago, right? New ball, Ramirez, no, they're not haven't been proven to be anything, but so you can suspect all you want. But this, this, in this era of Major League Baseball, if you, if the guys with plus hit tools 
as we'll touch on if we get to my prospect list or not, I'm bumping those guys up a little bit just because if you put the barrel on the ball, it's going to fly. Yeah. It's proven that in the last couple of years, it's going to fly. He's Louis, Louis Urias is another kind of example of this. I think, I think Madrigal's going to have more power than Urias, but he could be a similar type player. Like in that aspect too, but I also think I'm in the same camp as well. on Urias. I think he's going to take off when he gets to the major leagues too. I mean, we saw him in the Arizona Fall League. Urias is every bit of you know five seven. He had projected to hit eight to ten home runs a year, but then he's in the Arizona Fall League. I understand it's Arizona, and I understand it's pitching's not the greatest, but he hit like a 430 foot home run. That's not a guy that's projects to hit eight home runs a year. There's more there because he can barrel because he's got elite bat to bat to barrel, and I think that's what Madrigal has. No, I think that's a great comp, and uh, you, you said it. We're, we're starting to see it more and more. I know Sammy Reed and some other on his latest Baseballholics, and some others are talking about it. Is we need to stop thinking that these guys that don't show a lot of power in the minors, like you're saying, but have the hit right. tool, it Ooh, can explode onto the scene because it's a whole different atmosphere now, and. Um, it, it's really interesting to see how, how it's been developing. A question for Madrigal. We saw a guy drafted last year and just got promoted to double A, I believe, in the Milwaukee system, Keston Hyera, another smaller gentleman with a ton of hit tools that people just absolutely love. Defensively, has some issues, but can hit sure. the, out of the baseball. How do you compare those two? I think they're very similar type players. If I had to pick, I would take Hira, but that's just because I love Keston Hira. Mm-hmm. I do think Madrigal could play shortstop if he needed to. Uh, Hira cannot. Uh, they both have similar questions on defense with the arm and the arm strength especially. Um, but I think Madrigal's got better hands. If you're looking from a real baseball standpoint, you might want Madrigal. But from a fantasy standpoint, we'll see. Madrigal is going to get you stolen bases, though. And Hira's – I think Hira's hit tool is – Slightly better. He's going to hit for more power. So I guess it's kind of how, how how you want to construct your team. Not that you can plan ahead for either one of those two to be with. I think they are, but gun to my head right now, I take Hira, but I don't feel that comfortable about it. Uh, I I probably have them ranked. You know, give Madrigal uh, about a what nine months in pro ball, and he might be where here he is now. So. Who do you think we see first? Probably Keston Hira, just because I think the Brewers are you know, close. at that mark and they could use some help at second base. All right, let's talk and about the White Sox, you know, are a little bit away. So Yeah, that's true. And again, just like some other teams, they're not in a huge hurry to start spending cash. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stu- stuff every time you turn your head. They have fancy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. All right, let's talk about a couple of pitchers. I know we were kind of tweeting back and forth at one time because it was kind of – at first it was, okay, guys fall, and then it, they started to really fall. And mm-hmm. it got got really curious. Uh, we're talking Matthew uh, – I'm going to – Libertori? Libertori, uh, yep. You got it. Libertori, high school kid at Arizona. He finally went 16th to the Tampa Bay Rays. Yancey Eaton was very happy about that. And then we had Brady Singer. This is the one that surprised me. Going into last year, or at the end of last year, people thought this could be your number one pick. And then people said, okay, it's probably the second pitcher in the draft. Then he goes all the way 18th to the Kansas City Royals, who, side note, stocked up on pitching on day one, which was outstanding. 
But what do you think happened to these two? Because, you know, people fall based on signability. This fall seemed maybe a little different. Yeah, at first I thought it was. And then we got word that Libertori is going to actually sign with Tampa for underslot. Huh. Lightly, but it's still underslot, which is interesting. Uh, so I don't, I don't – I wish I had a better explanation for you. I like both of, both of them from what I've seen. Uh, Brady Singer, for me, projects out to be a mid-rotation starter. Um, has a, you know, manipulates the fastball, can get up to 97, but he sits about 88 to 94 or so with it, can cut it and can sink it. Uh, slider curveball hybrid pitch, again, nice velocity range, 76 to 83 or so. Uh, curveball slider hybrid thing, good changeup, uh, plus command of all of his pitches. I've seen Jeff Hoffman comp on him. I've seen an Aaron Nola comp. A comp I like, too, is Michael Waka. I think that's a good comp for Brady Singer. Uh, frame and everything, I think that fits. 6'5", 210. He's got the ideal pitcher build. I don't know why he fell to where he did. Um, and I'm surprised Kansas City was the one to end the slide uh, because I figured with, with the, where they were at in the bonus pool, they would have kind of done what Tampa did and take some high upside high school kids. But uh, Tampa, or excuse me, Kansas City pretty much has. <laughs> they took uh, five. They had they had five picks in the top fifty-eight. So what do you think they did? They took five college starters. That's outstanding. So I guess they're trying to squeeze every bit of juice out of the orange, I guess, and yeah. try to stay competitive in two or three years with all these guys when they come up. That's a stretching long odds, I'm sure, because statistics say. They should be extremely happy if two of these five pan out. You know, it's just how it works. But five college arms is an interesting strategy, not one I thought Kansas City would take with the most bonus money in the draft. Uh, but uh, Brady Singer is got an average stuff across the board, but he goes right at you. He's a bulldog on the mound, kind of old school guy in that in that sense. I don't know why he fell. I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, but I, I think a lot of teams are getting smart, maybe, and they don't want to take pitchers that high i don't know uh, just a question before we go to the next topic here when you're watching a draft i'm a fan of you know give me the college kid because he's close especially the bats and all that especially mm -hmm. early in the draft give me something i can you know kind of be a little more reliable we've already stated that none of this is reliable because a lot could happen right but you're see, like you mentioned okay maybe they would they should have gone the Tampa Bay route with high school guys and after like uh, the the India pick you saw more high school than kind of college kind of rotation and then after like pick ten a lot of high school started going what's your what's your thoughts on you know teams going high school versus college it depends and a lot of it is teams are going to shy if 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 a team got burned by a high school heavy draft one year they're probably not going to go that route again it's just the notion of the beast, you don't want to get go back to the well again. Every situation is different. Every situation is unique. If you have, you know, uh, give me uh, an example of a guy. Let's see. Give me um, Grayson Rodriguez for the Orioles. Grayson Rodriguez of the Orioles, right. Okay. He went, what, 10th overall? I think that's where he went. 11th, yeah. 11th overall. If a guy like that goes into the draft – I'm sure he has a promise from Baltimore. I know St. Louis is looking at him. I know Toronto was looking at him from what I've read. He's got promises from teams like that. Probably if you get to us, we're going to take you. And if he slips that far, and then you're all of a sudden you're looking at a pick around, I don't know. Because a lot of these, it's, it's the way the draft structure now, it's not take the best player on the board all the time. It should be. But like we saw last year in the 2017 draft, the Phillies took Mickey Moniak number one. True. And or sorry, 2016 draft. 2016, yeah, but he wasn't the best player. He wasn't the best player. They did that yeah. because they they got came back in the second round and they were able to grab a second and third round and they took starting pitchers um, to back up the bonus money. Atlanta took Kyle Wright high, which is rightly so, but they ended up getting like Drew Waters with the money they saved because they got an underslot deal on a lot of these guys. So a lot of it's how you can manipulate the money. Casey, my situation was and I was a perfect example of this earlier because Detroit had Mize at number one. Obviously, he's not signed yet, so they must have a ballpark of what they wanted. But I was reading something; they knew the Giants at number two. I had no interest in Mize. The Giants were not. The Giants were looking at college hitters the entire time at the number two pick, so they knew this, and they knew Philly was picking three. 
So what the Giants were telling Mize was, or excuse me, the Tigers were telling Mize was, we'll take you number one, but we're giving you slightly above slot for third pick for your bonus because we don't have to give you higher than the – we don't have to give you the second pick bonus because you're not going to. Yeah. So they use money and they use the leverage where you're drafting at. And it's, it's cool to say you're the number one pick, so I'm sure that plays into it too. And I know that's not exactly the question you asked, but there's a lot of financial things that it's not clear-cut anymore, not take the best player. I wish it was more like that. Uh, now it's kind of a puzzle, and you have your, your allotted money. If you've got $16 million to spend and you want to give the number one pick $14 million, you can do it. But then you got to sign everybody else for the rest of it. And you're going to see a lot of seniors. It's, this is a really bad system for seniors, seniors in college, because they have no leverage to go back to school. Yeah. Uh, if you get picked in the top 10, you, you, your signing bonus counts toward the bonus pool. So you're getting a lot of, like these guys here, you know, you take Casey Mize number one, you know he's going to cost you five, six, seven million dollars. So when you're Eighth, ninth, tenth round, you're going to take some high, some college seniors. You're going to give them thirty grand, just because they have no other option. They can't go back to school, so it's 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 a lose lose for a lot of people, and most of it, mostly for us because it's not take best player available anymore. Now it's kind of fill up your bucket as much as you can without going over, because you don't get that money if if you don't spend it. You don't it doesn't go to the team or anything. It just it's gone. Oh, okay. So it's not like it doesn't carry over anything. Gotcha. No. Um, do you ever think they're going to someday will allow trading of picks in draft? I hope they do. Obviously, they do. They trade some picks. There's compensation picks that get traded right now, competitive balance picks. I hope they do trade picks to make it a little more exciting. Um, but I don't know. I, I It's a good question. I think more than likely what's going to happen is there will be some sort of international draft. Where that's what I'm waiting for. I think that's more likely to happen because I think it'll control instead of having separate rules for international players and domestic players. I think it's going to be one entry into the league. You want to come to the league? That's fine, but you have to go through the draft. I like that. I go on. That would level the playing field a lot. Mm-hmm. But now the new rules have done that. Definitely. But it makes it more difficult. All right, last draft question I have for you, um, and we'll we'll get into your top 300 next. What so kind of correlates with it? Who uh, do you think improved their systems the most? Give me a couple teams just through the draft. Um, I really like what Cleveland did. Noah Naylor, Ethan Hankins, Lenny Torres, and Nick Sandlin are all very nice um, arms. Well, excuse me, Sandlin is a college arm, probably a reliever. Uh, but Noah Naylor, Ethan Hankins, and Lenny Torres. Noah Naylor is a catcher, third baseman, high school kid. And Hankins and Torres are, are both right-handed starters. The Indians are famous for taking the youngest players in the draft. There's, people ran studies, and the youngest players in the draft are the most successful really? over a certain period of time because there's a lot of factors that go into it, obviously. But younger players – of their draft class have a tendency to be better. Um, and the average age of their first three picks was 18 uh, because no nailers, you know, 18 and three, 18 and a quarter. Uh, Lenny Torres is only 17. They drafted kid out of New York city, I believe. Uh, so it's a very nice draft there. I'm, I'm a Cardinals fan, but I, I do like what they did. Uh, I don't want to sound too homerish on when I say that, but, I think getting Nolan Gorman where they did at 19 is insane. Um, and I like Luke and Baker pick at 75. Not that he's going to be a stud or anything, but they have a definitely lack of power in their minor league system. But they just added the best power from a prep bat in Nolan Gorman and the best power of a college bat in Luke and Baker. So that's pretty good stuff. And they have Griffin Roberts is also a guy that could move pretty fast out of Wake Forest as a plus, slot, plus slider. Um, who else drafted I like a lot? There's a couple of them out here. Uh, I like Houston getting Seth Beer. I think everyone's down on Beer a little bit too much because he was, uh, you know, everyone loved him as a freshman and as saw he's kind of gone downhill the opposite yeah, way in public right. perception. But I think it's kind of overcorrected itself. I think people are too down on him now and they shouldn't be. 
because the exit velocity numbers from what I project by just watching beer with my eyes are insane. Hits the ball so hard every time. And that kind of fits the Houston Astros MO. That's what they do. Um, so I like that draft, as if Houston needed more young talent. But they got it, I think. I like the White Sox. Uh, Steel, Steel Walker they got, another college bat out of Oklahoma. Uh, really good hit tool. And he also gets a lot of lift and lift in the ball. I think he can be a 25-homer bat if he, everything breaks right for him. Corner outfield only, so it limits the upside. And Boston Red Sox with uh, Tristan Cassis is a Cassis is a very nice uh, prep power bat as well. I like that draft. Carter Stewart for the Braves, as if they needed more pitching. The spin rates on – I'm not a big spin rate guy. I don't see the correlation of it too much. I'm probably wrong on that. I just – you look at the spin rate leaderboards – Every year, and you might as well be looking at random pitchers. There's no correlation to anything, in my opinion. But Carter Stewart has the highest registering curveball ever by uh, Pitch FX. Talk from pros, college, anything. And he's a high school kid at a college showcase. So his curveball is nasty. So I like, I like all those drafts. There's it pretty uh, – a, a lot of teams improve themselves here. Well, that's good. Uh, quick question on Seth Beer. I hear what you're saying. I heard that a lot of places if some people are down on him because you, you were hearing about him as a freshman. Like this, right. is what this guy does all this. And he kind of went away like you're saying. Uh, if you had to put a comp on him, where would you comp him? Oh, man. Um, that's tough. Uh, 60 so power. Gallo? I don't think he quite has that much home run power. And he's not as athletic as Gallo. People don't realize how athletic Joey Gallo is. Um, he's a freak. Yeah, he could play center field if he had to. Not yeah. for a long time, but you could put him out there if you, if you needed to. Uh, Beer, I don't even think he can play. Hey, he's DH only kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, which is fine if if, if you can. He's on the right team for it. <laughs> yeah, the Houston Houston will will figure out a way to do it. And I, I left this draft out. I, I'd, be, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. If I was drafting a team in like the last two or three years, I think my favorite, my favorite team with how they've drafted in the last two or three years is the Angels. Really? Uh, Brandon Marsh. Uh, you got Joe Adele. You got oh, Jemai yeah. Jones. Griffin Canning. And then this year they took Jordan Adams. Have you seen the video of Jordan Adams dunking? It's crazy. It's oh, ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's, talk, about, talk about athleticism. If I was drafting a high school kid like Jordan Jordan Adams, he's in my top five for dynasty prospects, I think. I haven't sat down and figured it out, but he'd be in the consideration 100% because I think he's a Joe Adele-type talent. He's so athletic. And they took Jeremiah Jackson, who's an off, another athletic guy. Uh, San Diego took Xavier Edwards, who is getting a lot of publicity right now, a lot of hype as a smallish guy with plus-plus speed, potential plus power, a really good plate approach. Uh, I don't want to criticize the comp because I don't ag necessarily agree with it, but Chris Blessing of Baseball HQ put a Ozzy Albies comp on Xavier Edwards. Oh, wow. Um, so 5'9", <laughs> 160, 80-grade runner, good field for barrel. So that's a name to file away. Him and Jordan Adams are probably the two highest upside guys not named Kyler Murray in this draft. We touched on the risk for Murray and why I'm not touching him. Uh, so those are two really sexy guys to take here. Um, but. I like it. That's uh, the draft was a lot of fun this year. I think it's getting better and better. Um, draft so coverage, draft coverage is very much improved across the board. It yeah, it, it's gotten immensely better. Maybe one of these years they'll find a way to get more players there and kind of make it more of a production, but. It's tough. You got high school kids. You got college kids still playing. Some are playing. Yeah, they need so to make it more of an event. And it's hard to get the NCAA to budge. It'd be it'd be really nice if you could make sure there's no games going on. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you do that, but yeah. All right. Let's talk about your top 300. Uh, again, everybody on Twitter, at MDTOPFWFB, he tweeted out a picture of his top 300. He's going to be updating it. When do you plan on updating that? It'll be up in... I'll say the next 24 hours. Oh, okay. Um, I just haven't had time. I, the list is done. I don't need to change anything on the list. I'm just a sticker for formatting. I don't want it to be a plain, boring table, so I try to want to do something with it, but I'm not creative, so 
I have no idea. No, so if anybody uh, out there is uh, really good at making cool graphics or something or, or making boring information look cool, let me know, and uh, maybe you can help me out. There you go. Uh, when you, is this your first kind of alteration from the preseason top 300? Uh, yeah. Um, first one I published. I'm one of those nerds. I have an Excel spreadsheet. If you couldn't tell, it was Excel with my screenshot. Yeah. Uh, I have an Excel spreadsheet that has an immense number of notes in it that I probably tinker with. It's probably never closed on my computer. It's always open. I'm watching games, and MILB TV will be on my laptop or my or my uh, tablet. And I'll be watching big league game on my TV. I always have it kind of maybe moving a guy up or down or adding some notes to it or something. So it's it's a very much a living, breathing document, and I pretty much be lost without it. Um, I need to probably should probably should back it up at some point. I was about to say, I hope you have that backed up somewhere. I, I, I do not, uh, um, but there's a lot of uh, work that went into it. Um, hopefully, it's a uh, good list. No. Uh, it's a little bit different. We talked about it a little bit pre-show. Um, I tend my list is going to be very different than anyone else's. You find whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But uh, I'm more tools based, and I mean, there might be some guy on here that you think, oh, he's only hitting 200. Well, it's because I like the skills, and I think they're going to translate to the next level. So it's a little bit different than other guys have it. But, you know, if it, if it was the same, it wouldn't be worth anything in my opinion. So No, that's what I told you earlier. I like the fact <laughs> that you do do it in your way, and that's what makes it so different because uh, the way I related it is I do my preseason rankings and you did yours, and our, not everybody does theirs. And, you know, you can look at probably 80% of them. They look identical. So it really doesn't help you out in the long run unless you have a, you know, a stance on what you believe in. Right. So in reference to that, now this is your first change uh, from the preseason. What are a couple of the big risers that kind of has surprised you so far this season? Uh, number one is Jesus Luzardo. I wouldn't say he surprised me, but he rose up considerably. He was somewhere in the 80 range for me preseason. Uh, now he's 23rd on my list. Um, everything he's done since coming back from Tommy John, the command has been outstanding. And he's in double A. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it's ridiculous. The one thing he's not doing is going deep in games, but that's an Oakland A's thing. That's not well, him. He had to with AJ Puck last year. Right. That, that's not him. That's just Oakland being conservative and, and not allowing him to go deep in games. Um, he, he was a guy I really liked. I had flagged when the Nationals drafted him. He was an 11th round pick, I believe. I might be wrong on that. I think he was 11th round pick, only because he was injured. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with the draft, the first 10 rounds are controlled by bonus pool money. Uh, so, if you look at the 11th round, you're going to get a lot of guys that have 11th round is mostly, I would say, 90% high school kids that are drafted. Okay, Lizardo was a third round pick in 2016, so ignore all this, but. The 11th round traditionally is a high upside round. You shoot for the moon here and you take high school kids that you think have really strong commitments and you try to buy them out of college with whatever money you have left. That's essentially what you do in the 11th round. And Luzardo went in the third round, so this is irrelevant. But, you know, you're sitting here looking at this guy. He's in double A. 52 innings pitched, 71 strikeouts, 16 walks. Um, so that'll play. Uh, low 90s fastball, really good curveball, plus-plus pitch. I really love the package. I liked him. Uh, the Nationals fit the mold here the, with how they they take Tommy John guys or injured pitchers a lot in the draft. They feel like they can buy low, on, and, and they did that with Luzardo. Uh, they used a Tommy John survivor. They grabbed him. He didn't pitch before they drafted him, and they went nurtured him along, and then they flipped him to the A's, and he's been great ever since. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Jesus Luzardo. Yeah, he's sneaky, sneaky good. I got barely in his like three Stockton starts. Right, I have to see one of them in San Jose. And it's filthy, absolutely oh, filthy. Nice. Yeah, he's just nasty. But um, any other bats or other arms that have really stood out to you so far this season? Um, let's see here. Uh, we're looking at uh, Khalil Lee has risen up the board for me. Uh, Kansas City Royals center fielder. Uh, he's really cut the strikeouts down, which was his big issue he's got a power speed combination that i like and speaking we're sticking with the royals uh sealy matias i believe that's how you pronounce it i'm probably bad at that but uh 
He's got 17 home runs already, and he was a big bonus baby prototypical right fielder with the big pop. Uh, I kind of made a prediction in talking with like Mike Warner from FWFB and stuff, uh, coast of a prospect show, which we need to get back rolling here pretty soon. Talk to or and talk to Justin on one of the prospect the mini pods we did. I think Celia Matias could be a slightly a similar version to Eloy Jimenez. At this oh, point wow. here. And I think the power's there, and it's proved me right so far with 18 home runs already out of the gate. Strikes out a little bit too much. He's never going to be a batting average asset. But nowadays in these leagues, you can get around that. Uh, nobody's a batting average asset really anymore, as bad as it sounds. Um, yeah, sure. But And then the last guy like uh, that rose up a lot, wasn't even on my top uh, 100 list preseason, is uh, Jason Rosario of the uh, San Diego Padres. Uh, he's right now, he's in low A, uh, Fort Wayne, 10 caps in the Midwest League, which I, I get to see. I don't get to see as many live games as I like, but the ones I do, they're always Midwest League games because uh, that's where I live and I work too much and can't really get out as much as I want to to go to those games. But uh, anytime you can get a guy that's 18 years old in low A that's walking at a 17% clip, I'm going to take it. Uh, 276, 404, 337. Uh, it's a stat line, 12 stolen bases, one home run, but he's got a couple, you know, he's got a lot of extra base hits. Uh, well, not really a lot. Okay, he doesn't have a lot of extra base hits, so I retract that statement. But I think he's going to grow into power. I think he's a, I think he's a leadoff hitter of the future for the Padres, and he's a guy who is leading the charge in that stacked system. When Urias and Tatis come up, Rosario is going to be the headliner of the next group of bats uh, for the Padres. So I, I'm a big fan. Uh, their system's pretty darn amazing. There's a lot to be uh, a big fan about there. Uh, last question I got for you. Sure. With this draft that just took place, uh, how many guys off the – just roughly, because you, you maybe you haven't done it yet, I will be not. entering your top 100 if you decide to pick a rough number? Mm. I know it's tough because it's such a – you already have a bunch of guys yeah. there that are worthy of it, so it's tough. I would say – Anywhere from six to eight, maybe nine. Okay. Um, I'm not sure any of them will be top 25. None of them would. No, none of them would be top 25. Um, looking at my number 26 on the list is Louis Urias, 27 is Willie Calhoun. I don't really see anybody jumping them. Uh, going down to 50, I got Leody Tavares. I could see a couple guys being in front of him, so maybe one or two in the top 50. Okay. Oh, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be definitely interesting because it's like you said before we started recording, it wasn't like the draft last year where you had so much top-end talent where you're like, okay, these guys will be impact players for sure. Right. You, got, you had good players, but you just couldn't quite tell where they're all going to kind of flush out this year. So it'll be a lot of fun. But uh, thanks for joining me, uh, Matt. This was very, very good. Everybody go check him out on Twitter at MDTOPFWFB. A lot of great work over there. And you know the guys at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. They're ever-growing. They added Walter and um, our boy oh, – why am I? Paul, Paul Martin. Martin. Paul Martin. I've had both of them on the show. Both great guys. Yeah, so awesome. you, you, Yeah, you guys are growing, and it's awesome to watch, and all really good people. So first off, congratulations for all that, and uh, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, man. Uh, it's always fun to talk draft. Yeah, and um, uh, it's like it's like I said, I'm I'm trying to get more and more into the the prospect angle. I really something about it I enjoy. I, I enjoy going and watching the, the single leg games, like and it. yeah. it's just a dip, it's a different element where you can actually like appreciate baseball a little more. I think it's just something yeah. about it. I went to uh, the other day, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. I went to uh, Kent County Cougars game in Low A. That's the affiliate closest to me, Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, they were playing the Minnesota Twins affiliate, Cedar Rapids, the Colonels, and uh, Royce Lewis was there. So I got a nice, nice up-close view of Royce Lewis, then Alex Kirilov. I missed uh, Bruce Dargretter all-star because he's on the DL. Uh, but I, I got Blaine Enlow starting, and I saw Jezrado Chisholm from the Diamondbacks. And uh, hooked up with a good buddy of mine. I sat in the scout seats and got to listen nice. to all the scouts talk about players and it's fun. It's just a very, very exciting experience. And it happened to be on a Thursday, and 
the Thursday promotion for the Kane County Cougars home games are dollar beers and dollar hot dogs. So you can imagine that. Perfect. <laughs> right. You're not going to get that at a pro game. And you're not going to be nah. sit, not going to be sitting, you know, a couple rows behind our own plate for, for nothing. And last year, before before everybody else was doing it, and before everyone else was going to see Vladdy and uh, Vladdy and Bo, I, I went into a series in Kane County and saw all three games of uh, Vladdy and Bo before it was cool, before everyone was doing it. But nice. I got got some cool Twitter videos of those guys, and uh, it's I'm telling you, man, when you go see talent like that, it's, it's pretty damn cool because you see the bat speed. I can't describe to you how the bat speed plays when you look at you, – you've seen some of these guys at the – you're the Cal League. The Cal League's probably yeah. a little down this year as far as talent, but over but the last, years past – Last year I got to go see Brendan Rodgers right before that. And that was impressive. You could, he, yeah. stood, he stood out above the crowd. <laughs> yeah, right. And you can tell like Bo and Vladdy and stuff, they're in a different stratosphere, especially Vlad. But actually when I went, Bo Bichette impressed me more because I was hearing so much about Vlad and kind of overshadow on Bo. But the bat speed, man. The bat yeah. speed, the bat speed, the bat speed is just insane. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Cali League out here uh, pretty soon. I believe Joe Odell will get the bump up, so he'll be coming around. He's already out there. Oh, that's right. He got was last week, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was all set to go see him, and I had to work. And yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I'll catch him when they come back around, and then he was gone. I was like, That's the only p- bad part about the single A's. But these guys are so good, they don't stick around long, <laughs> so you got to go right. quick. Um, but, yeah. Lots of fun, and uh, we're going to chat again because, like, like I said, I'm trying to get more into it, and I enjoy talking about it. So awesome stuff. Again, right. follow him. Like I said, guys, FWFB, at MDTompFWFB. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 99. Catch you guys later.